On today's episode, the Chicago Blackhawks looked spectacular through 40 minutes on Saturday afternoon, but wound up blowing a 3-0 lead to the Vegas Golden Knights en route to a 5-4 overtime loss. Then, the Buffalo Sabres are also in town tonight for a matchup at the United Center. I'll be going over a full preview of the contest between the Blackhawks and the Sabres. And then, to wrap things up, per usual, to start off the week, will be our Mailbag Monday fan segment. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, March 28th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please go and show some support first by following the podcast, which will only take a quick couple of seconds. A quick click of the button will help me out tremendously. Go leave the show five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And you can also go and leave me a review. Best of all, it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all 100% for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then definitely be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. If you haven't gotten the memo already, folks, each episode from here on out is going to have a video version attached to it as well. So if you haven't done so already, please go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. I would greatly appreciate it. Go and smash the like button for me. And also be sure to turn on those push notifications so you can be notified when the episode is uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, good afternoon, everyone. And as always, thank you for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Hope everyone out there enjoyed their weekends, even though we're kind of into like third winter now. We got a couple flashes of some good weather a few weeks back, but now we're back in the 20s and 30s. That's just how Chicago be this time of the year. Um, But real quick, before I get into all the good stuff today, folks, I got to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, which is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game begins. All right, let's open things up today, folks, by talking about the Blackhawks' disappointing 5-4 overtime loss to the hands of the Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday afternoon. And man, what a complete 180 this game took because through the opening 40 minutes, um, despite Vegas being in a situation where, you know, they, they really needed to pick up a victory, I believe coming into that game on Saturday afternoon, they were one point back of the Dallas Stars for the final playoff spot in the Western Conference, but had four games in hand over Dallas. So uh, they really needed to come away with two points in that one. Um, but in the first 40 minutes, the Hawks looked like the more desperate team that was trying to make a postseason push. I mean, they they really had control of this game uh, through the first two periods. They did get off to kind of a slow start uh, in the first few minutes of that opening period, 
Um, but once they got on the board, once Dominic Kubalik opened the scoring, which was very nice to see after Kubi was healthy, scratched on Thursday night up in Los Angeles, uh, a very nice response from Kubalik on Saturday afternoon, I thought, uh, having one of his better games in recent memory in the last couple of months, honestly. I believe that's just Kubalik's third goal in his last 25 games and only his 12th on the season. So it's been tough sledding for Kubalik here. Uh, basically all season long, but it was nice to see him have a better performance on Saturday afternoon against Vegas, where, as I just mentioned, uh, he kicked off the scoring. And really after that point, uh, all the momentum kind of switched into the Blackhawks' favor throughout the remainder of the first period and through a majority of the second as well. Uh, And in that second period, the Hawks were able to capitalize on a a couple of big opportunities to vault ahead three to nothing. We saw uh, Alex Dabrinkit just make a magnificent pass to set up Jonathan Taves' back door for a tap-in. I believe that's four consecutive games with an assist for Alex Dabrinkit. And I, I think he was the best player on the ice on Saturday afternoon. It seemed like each and every shift that he had, uh, the Blackhawks were moving the puck well in the offensive zone, and he was creating for his teammates, whether that be with the top line or in this instance uh, with Jonathan Taves. And for Jonathan, it's actually uh, it's only his ninth goal of the season but it is his fifth in the last nine games. And I saw this stat on Twitter as well. Uh, In his last 30 games, when he's been healthy, Jonathan Taze now has nine goals and 10 assists for 19 points. So um, after, you know, that dreadful start to the year where Taves didn't have a goal through the opening 25 games, uh, he certainly has been playing better uh, as more and more, as as more and more time has passed. And I thought it was also interesting in a recent article that he had uh, in a recent conversation that he had with Mark Lazarus, which he turned into an article. Um, of course, the forefront of that conversation was really about Jonathan Taze's future here with the Blackhawks organization. But something that kind of got pushed aside because of all of that is Taze said, you know, he's still really, in his mind, not even close to being 100% healthy. So um, however you feel about the captain right now, you know, based on his recent comments, you can't deny that he has been a whole lot better these past few months. And in his mind, at least, he's really, you know, just kind of starting to get back to where he wants to be. And he's not even uh, close to to that goal yet. So uh, that does give you a little bit of hope that Jonathan Taves is going to be able to find his old game. We've seen it in flashes, as I said, over the last few months. Um, But nice to see him chipping in a lot more offensively than he did uh, back in October, November, and December. Uh, and then after Taze made it two to nothing, Dylan Strome capitalized off a juicy rebound from Golden Knights goaltender Logan Thompson. Caleb Jones rips one from the point. Stromer jumps on the rebound to make it three to nothing, and that's also Dylan Strome's tenth goal in the last eleven games. I mean, he's been absolutely red hot here, as the entire top line for the Blackhawks has been. Uh, no surprise there that they've carried us all season long. If we've learned anything about this Blackhawks team this year. Set the top line of Debrink and Stroman, Patrick Kane. Probably should be getting another crack at it next year, especially, I mean, Kane and Debrinkit hopefully aren't going anywhere, but Dylan Strom's really the man in question there. But based on what we've seen out of this top line the last few months, I don't know what more he has to do uh, to get another opportunity, even if it is on a one-year contract extension in the offseason. Anyways, that put the Blackhawks ahead uh, three to nothing heading into the third period, and it felt like they had, you know, full control over the game. But then 
in the third, I mean, things just got out of hand in a hurry. Not even four minutes into the period, and Vegas had already managed to tie the game up three to three. Uh, and, and with their backs against the wall, really against the wall, um, they clearly were just the more desperate team out of the gate that, you know, as I mentioned, they really needed to pick up a win in this one in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, and it was like the Blackhawks were just on their heels right out of the gate. Like they couldn't even take a breath to relax and realize what happened. Even after Derek King called that timeout when the score was three to two in the blink of an eye, even after that point, the Blackhawks were still playing scrambly. It's just like they lost their fundamentals. And, um, you know, it, it just sucks because all their hard work through 40 minutes was gone just like that, you know. Scores tied up three to three. The crowd's back into it. They're going nuts. Um, and all that good that they did through the first 40 minutes, it was all for naught just because uh, of a few, you know, of a tough first couple minutes to open up that period. Uh, and for the Blackhawks, what I wanted to be sure to talk about today is that just how bad they've been in terms of momentum goals and momentum moments throughout the course of the season. I've touched on this a few times over um, over the year. Uh, but what I mean by momentum goals and momentum moments, for those of you that don't know, I actually kind of got this term from the guys from Locked On Senators when I spoke to them very early on in the season when the Hawks, that was actually uh, their first victory of the year. Um, but basically, what momentum goals and momentum moments are, it's the first and last minute of a period and also the next minute after either scoring a goal or allowing a goal. And all season long, the Blackhawks have not be, been good in these instances. And what's that a sign of? It's a sign of a bad team. And when you struggle in these times, you give your opponent a chance no matter what the score is. And we've seen, man, where was it recently? Can't think of it off the top of my head, but the Blackhawks were up four goals. I, I forget. It was against Anaheim, I believe, where they had that ridiculous first period they could have potted eight I think they went up four to nothing uh and just like that the Ducks were right back into it so in momentum moments you know the Blackhawks have not been a, a well connected and a, po a poised team they've been on their heels and they allow things to unravel in quite a hurry and this was not the first second third or fourth time this year where we've seen the Hawks surrender, you know, a couple of goals in the matter of a minute. They just can't get the bleeding to stop. And um, that that's really, a, like I said, a sign of a bad team, a sign that a team, sign of a team that can't close a lead out no matter what it be. And even after allowing those three goals in the matter of three minutes, threes were wild there in the third period, by the way. Uh, but the Blackhawks managed to regain the lead four to three with a nice goal from Alex to bring it an absolute snipe for his 37th goal of the year, by the way. Um, but what happened just 47 seconds later after to put the Blackhawks back ahead, they gave up a goal right back and the game is tied once again at four to four. And that was a toughie to give up. Uh, Kirby doc. I don't know what you're doing there, buddy. I mean, just completely unacceptably standing in front of a goaltender screening your goalie like that and to not come up with the shot block like you got to stick the pads together bud you can't just have two legs spread out and he kind of even lifted his leg when that shot was coming through like if you're standing there in front of your goaltender buddy you a hundred percent have to be blocking that shot he didn't 
And the Blackhawks blew yet another lead to Vegas once again as it was tied up 4-4. to And then in overtime, the Blackhawks actually, they had their chance to come out with the victory. Uh, Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkett had a two-on-one. Um, they had their opportunity. Unfortunately, the puck just kind of took a bad bounce, and then Vegas comes back down the other way. And who else but Evgeny Dadanov to wind up with the game winner because, of course, he's been on an absolute tear since Vegas uh, wanted to trade him. Of course, that didn't end up happening because of a no-trade clause that really no one knew about. I don't even know how that situation happens in a professional sports league. Uh, but, of course, Dadanov winds up with the game winner. and. Those momentum moments by the Blackhawks, yet again, wind up haunting them. Uh, And interestingly enough as well, Vegas was 0-56 in franchise history when heading into the third period down three or more goals. They wind up getting win number one in that scenario with the comeback against the Chicago Blackhawks to keep their postseason dreams alive. Just a completely unacceptable and disappointing way for this one to end for the Hawks, although, you know, certainly doesn't matter at this point in the year, um, but still was a a very disappointing result after, you know, a a really strong effort through the opening 40 minutes of this game, but they still wind up losing to Vegas in overtime. All right, there are my thoughts on the Hawks choking away a 3-0 lead in the third period against Vegas. Coming up in just a moment, I will be getting into a quick preview of tonight's matchup with the Buffalo Sabres at the United Center. But first, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes just like the candy bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And I know we're already getting into April, but if your resolution, if you've broken it already, if it was about eating fit or getting fit or even eating healthier, then you got to make sure to get back on that plan and include Built Bar in it. Because right now, you can get the best of both worlds with Built Bar, delicious and healthy. And have you tried Built Bar Puffs yet? Because if not, you're seriously missing out on one of the best tasting protein bars out there. And listen to these incredible flavors. You're going to have a hard time believing they're all 200 calories or less and have 20 or more grams of protein. We got cinnamon churro and coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, and cookies and cream. So either way you choose, Built Bar is going to make it easier to get you back on that resolution because they taste so good. You're actually going to want to eat them, unlike some other protein bars, which can be chalky, dry, waxy, or even just taste like a chemical spill. And even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is also good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Bilt Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And for a limited time offer right now, go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's BiltBar.com with the exclusive promo code LOCKED15. One word, LOCKED, in all caps, followed by the number 15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. All right, we're back here on Locked On Blackhawks, getting into segment two now today. I also wanted to be sure to get into a quick preview of tonight's matchup with the Buffalo Sabres. That's going to be a 7.30 p.m. Central Time puck drop at the United Center and will be televised on NBC Sports Chicago for all those curious, which um, I, I know. I mean, I'm I'm personally going to be at the game tonight, humble brag, hence why I'm repping a Blackhawks jersey today on the show, feeling extra festive, folks. Uh, but if I wasn't going to be in attendance for this game, I would surely be glad 
that this was going to be televised in the Chicagoland area because going back to Thursday when the Blackhawks were on the road in Los Angeles, that broadcast on ESPN Plus might have been the worst of them all this season. Leah Hextall and Ray Ferraro, I mean, they were absolutely atrocious, and that might honestly not be describing it well enough. I mean, Hextall didn't even know the names of the players out there. Um, Trevor Moore had a breakaway. He shoots, he scores. You know, there's no, she, she like didn't know the names of the players. She called Colin Delia. She pronounced Delia like five different ways throughout the course. It, it was just horrible in all ways, shape, and form. And I actually had to end up um, muting this commentary. And I know I probably, uh, not probably, I know I definitely wasn't the only one who went that route. So ESPN, give your head a shake. I mean, this has been an absolute nightmare this season. Figure it out because you're doing such a disservice to all loyal hockey fans out there around the world with these broadcast teams. They're absolutely brutal. I also saw a clip on Twitter last week where in the third period in a 3-3 tie between the Dallas Stars and the Carolina Hurricanes, there was like five minutes left and there was a penalty shot. What did ESPN decide to do? They went on a commercial break 10 seconds before the penalty shot and they missed it. They just tuned back into the game literally right after the penalty shot had occurred. I mean, I couldn't imagine being a fan of one of those teams in crunch time in a big game for, you know, not so much for Carolina, but certainly for Dallas, who's fighting for their playoff hopes right now in a 3-3 tie with five minutes to go. And I don't get to see the penalty shot that could dictate the outcome of the game. I mean, it was actually unbelievable. So ESPN Plus, give your head a shake, figure it out. You're really screwing up the hockey world big time right now uh, and not off to a good start in your first year with NHL coverage. Anyways, though, this game is going to be televised in the Chicagoland area, so we don't have to worry about that. I know it's going to make a lot of the listeners out there very happy. Uh, But as for this matchup tonight, Another game between two bottom feeders in the NHL this season. Hold on, folks. I'm getting blown up with notifications over here. Got to see if Kinger's spoken to the media yet because I got to keep you all updated on exactly what's going to be happening in terms of the lineup tonight. Don't have an official update yet. Um, But, yeah, this is going to be a matchup between uh, two bottom feeders in the NHL this season. The Blackhawks sit in third to last place in the Western Conference, while the Sabres, they are a little bit higher up out east. Uh, But that's only because that whole conference is so top heavy. We already know who's going to be in the playoffs out East. Um, But they only do, they only uh, have two less points than the Blackhawks do at this point with the same amount of games played. So um, kind of sadly, seems like it's going to be a pretty evenly matched game here tonight at the United center. And uh, also interestingly enough, when looking at some of the numbers between these two teams, um, well, first, for Buffalo, I guess I should mention that uh, even though it's been another forgettable season up in New York, um, they have been playing some pretty competitive hockey here as of late. They've also uh, had four consecutive games go to overtime where they've split those results, two wins, two losses. But overall, in their last 10 games, they have a 5-3-2 and two record. So points in seven of their last 10. They've been playing a lot of competitive hockey recently. and. Uh, been playing decently well coming into this one tonight. So that's definitely something to be wary of if you're the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, considering where they are in the standings, they shouldn't be taking anyone light this season. Um, 
But yeah, overall, when breaking down the numbers between these two teams, uh, they are really similar in a lot of departments. The Hawks rank 25th in goals per game, while the Sabres rank 26th. Chicago ranks 24th in goals against per game. The Sabres rank 26th once again. And then in terms of the special teams, uh, both of these two kind of rank in the middle to bottom pack of the NHL on both the power play and the penalty kill. They're right there in between the 16 and, and 24 mark. So still kind of near the bottom third of the league. Um, but yeah, this is a matchup that's looking like it's between two pretty similar teams, which <laughs> I know when uh, a lot of folks think about the Buffalo Sabres, they think of the bottom of the barrel. Well, the Chicago Blackhawks are right there with them. So that's where we are right now, folks, as an organization. It is tough right now. Uh, but in terms of the lineup tonight for the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, they just wrapped up their morning skate literally like 15 minutes ago while I'm recording this. Um, didn't have any line rushes or anything. But one thing to note is that Kirby Doc wasn't on the ice due to a non-COVID-related illness. Seems like Docker could be the latest one to have some of that bad shrimp that Derek Kings talked about plenty of times throughout the course of the season. Uh, once Kinger speaks to the media, I'm figuring it's going to be any minute now, I would think, or um, maybe in an hour at the latest. Um, but if I'm still recording, when I get an update on the lineup, I'll definitely be sure to keep you all uh, updated <laughs> uh, just on Doc's status and uh, what the rest of the lineup is going to be like. But if I had to guess with Doc not out there at the morning skate and you know, with the season being lost at this point, uh, I'd probably guess uh, that he's not going to be suiting up for this one tonight against the Sabres, which probably would mean that both Henrik Borgstrom and Philip Kershev will be back in the lineup. Those two have kind of been flip-flopping as the healthy scratch for the last couple of weeks, aside from that game on Thursday night where Dominic Kubalik was the healthy scratch. Um, but as for the rest of the lineup, as I said, the Blackhawks didn't go through line rushes, but Pretty sure we're not going to see all that much different from uh, the last few games. But one change I would like to see in the lineup for the Blackhawks tonight, get Alex Vlasic some playing time. Uh, at this point of the year, I just don't get why Eric Gustafson is still in the lineup. Like, sure, I guess he's been fine as of late. Um, but, you know, you know, with Vlasic, he, he's not even close to that nine-game threshold yet, right? He, he's only played two games so far at the NHL level. He's still got plenty of time before that first year of his entry-level contract is going to come into effect, which I'm going to guess the Blackhawks probably don't want to burn that in this season. Uh, but he's still got, you know, six or seven games left before we even get to that point. So I, I just don't get why Eric Gustafson is still in there. Like, yeah, he's been fine, you know, okay offensively, been chipping in for some secondary assists. Um you know, he'll still be capable of a blunder every now and then on the defensive terms. But like, we know what he is at this point in the season. And we know he doesn't have a future here in Chicago. Whereas Alex Vlasic certainly has a future here in Chicago. And we also have a bunch to learn about his game. So um, I just don't get, I mean, I understand. We heard King talk to the media about the situation recently. He said, you know, the young guys still have to earn it, which I mean, that is fair. Um, but at this point in the year, I mean, we might as well be learning what we have in Alex Vlasic. And in his first two NHL games, he's played a total of like 11 minutes. So we have plenty more to learn about Alex Vlasic, whereas we already know everything there is about Eric Gustafson's game. So 
Um, I don't think it's going to be all that likely, uh, but I would love to see Alex Vlasic get back in there over Eric Gustafson tonight against Buffalo. As for the starting goaltender, it looks like Kevin Lankinen is going to be back in net tonight once again, coming off a kind of shaky performance on Saturday against Vegas. To be fair, the defense in front of him didn't give him a ton of help, uh, but when the Hawks, you know, were on their heels to kick off that third period, he just wasn't able to come up with the big save that they needed to stay ahead. So uh, a little bit frustrating for Lankinen after having two pretty good starts in a row um, against the Anaheim Ducks and the Minnesota Wild. Both of those games, he only allowed two goals. Kind of had another step back on Saturday against the Golden Knights. And honestly, I kind of would have liked to see Colin Delia uh, get another game in tonight before the back-to-back coming up this week down in Florida. I know Delia really doesn't have a future here in Chicago, both his choice as an unrestricted free agent this summer and also, you know, with the direction the Hawks are heading. They got Arvid Soderblom. They just signed Jackson Stauber to a contract. Um, I just don't really see Delia being brought back, if I'm being honest. Um, But I just would have liked to see him get some more NHL action here down the stretch of the season so he can kind of show everyone that he's capable of being an NHL netminder. I believe he is, but it's tough when you don't get consistent action. And also, considering the way the Hawks have kind of treated him over the last couple of years, it really hasn't been all that fair. Um, So I would have liked to see Delia tonight, but I get why Kevin Lankinen is going to be getting the start. He's the one who actually could have a future here in Chicago. Uh, We want to know more about Lankinen at this point than we want to about Delia. I get that. Um, But... It was a little discouraging to see Lankinen have another struggle of a game on Saturday against Vegas. I don't think he was as bad as uh, Twitter kind of made him out to be. You know, Twitter was absolutely hating on Kevin Lankinen on Saturday. But in reality, I mean, the Hawks, it wasn't his fault solely that the Hawks blew that lead. Uh, So hopefully Lankinen will be able to respond well here again tonight, getting a start at home against the Buffalo Sabres offense that's all in all, struggled to find the back of the net this season. So this seems like a good opportunity for Lankinen to bounce back. I do understand why Derek King is electing to give him the start here tonight at the United Center. All right, there's my preview of tonight's matchup with the Buffalo Sabres coming up in just a moment. It's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I'll answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Moving on into segment three now today, before I wrap up the show, I still got to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. The first question I wanted to answer today comes from at Thunder underscore Heart 2 on Twitter, who asked, is the flurry trade bad if the Wild don't make it to the playoffs? Everyone assumes it's already going to be a first-round pick. Well, I think everyone's hopeful that this will turn into a first-round pick. We're all Minnesota Wild fans from here on out now, um, but I wouldn't say by any means that it's a guarantee to turn into a first, especially uh, with how competitive and kind of evenly matched the Western Conference is right now. Um, but. I mean, I'm going to hope the Wild are going to make the playoffs, but even if they don't, this was still a trade that Kyle Davidson absolutely had to make, right? We learned that Marc-Andre Fleury had a, quote, very, very short list 
meaning I could only see probably two or three teams, even if that, that he'd be willing to, to get traded to, to move his family once again. Um, and, and Minnesota, honestly, was a place I was saying for quite a while because uh, it's a rather short travel for him to get back to Chicago and see his family. He wouldn't have to pick them up and move them if he went that route, which we actually heard him talk to the media about that and say, yeah, his family is staying in Chicago, even though he's in Minnesota, but it's a short travel. So I kind of predicted that right. But even if this doesn't turn into a first round pick, like I said, Kyle Davidson had to do it. We absolutely had to get something in return for Marc-Andre Fleury. Just wouldn't make sense to keep him on going forward with the direction the Blackhawks are heading in. You don't need a 37 or 38-year-old goaltender, although he is still a a Vezina-level guy. Um, It just doesn't really make sense when, frankly, the Blackhawks shouldn't be all that interested in winning going forward. They're kind of focused on getting better draft picks and building through those picks in the future. So for, for many different reasons, it made sense for the Blackhawks to move on for Flurry, even if it doesn't turn into a first, which definitely would suck. This was something Kyle Davidson absolutely had to do. Doesn't sound like there was another situation out there where Flurry would be willing to get traded to and Davidson would be willing to get a first round pick. So kind of had to take a chance here in this situation by banking on the wild making it to the Western Conference Final. I hope they get that far, but even if they don't, this this was still a trade uh, that he absolutely had to make it, and it's not a bad trade by any way, shape, or form, in my opinion. The second question I wanted to answer today comes from at Chi-Town Sports, who asked, how is the Jake McCabe signing going, and how did the Tyler Johnson trade end up? I actually wanted to be sure to pull up Jake McCabe on hockey reference, because there were some numbers I wanted to go over, but all in all, it has been a really rough go of it so far for Jake McCabe in his first year here in Chicago. Not the shutdown defenseman that the Blackhawks were hoping to be getting uh, in the market this past summer. At the same time, you know, it's only one season. I don't want to judge Jake solely on that, especially when the team around him has been a dumpster fire. Um, But we got three more years of Jake McCabe after this season, and He's going to have to undoubtedly pick it up in order to prove his worth of this contract. I think the most head-scratching part of him, you know, really struggling this year is he was reunited with Connor Murphy, who they were teammates back with the U.S. national team when they were coming up into the NHL, coming up into the draft. They played together as defensive partners. And so far this year, those two have been terrible together. Nothing short of that. Like, they actually have been awful. And after I talk about this, I actually want to go look at uh, Natural Stat Trick, which is just a phenomenal website as well. I, I recommend all hockey fans go and check it out because you get so much more numbers on players, defensive pairings, lines. It's really a fantastic website. But for Jake McCabe in particular, one thing that stands out to me is I know, listen, I'm not a solely analytics guy. I like the eye test and I like analytics and putting them together. But with defensemen, it's a little tough to kind of gauge how well they're doing out there, especially if they're a defensive defenseman where they're really not chipping in for all that much offensively. So I think in this instance, analytics will help you kind of understand how a season has been going for a defenseman who isn't regularly putting up points and he can't base them solely off of that. For McCabe, though, one thing I will add, uh, he's now got seven assists in his last nine games. So he has been picking up a little bit offensively. But in terms of defense, this has probably been his worst season since. Uh, becoming a member of the National Hockey League. Corsi percentage is 
3.7. To put that in perspective, his career low coming on the Buffalo Sabres in the last six years was 44.1. He's at 36.7 this year, meaning whenever Jake McCabe is on the ice, the Blackhawks are playing defense. He's not helping them in transition. He's not helping them move the puck into the offensive zone and through the neutral zone. He's When he's on the ice, he's been stuck in his own zone playing defense, which that's kind of his role in the first place. He gets a lot of defensive zone starts. 71% of his starts this year come in the defensive zone. So that surely has to go into account. Um, but at even strength this year, Jake McCabe has been on the ice for 38 goals for to 81 against. He's getting doubled up. So it's been really rough sledding for Jake McCabe this year. And I don't really understand why, because on a poor Buffalo Sabres team, he was really one of the shining points uh, in one of the brighter spots of that team overall. Hasn't been able to do the same thing here in Chicago so far. Um, It's going to be a big next year for Jake McCabe because he's got a lot of people to prove wrong. I still have hope and I still do believe that he can be a solid second pairing defenseman for this team. But I, I mean, you can't not be concerned based on what we've seen so far this year. Um, and, and that pairing with Murphy, I really don't understand why they've been so dreadful together. So both of those guys, honestly, really have a lot to prove going forward. It hasn't been a very good season for either of those two in particular. As for the Tyler Johnson trade, even though he's missed the majority of the season now, another bad break for Johnson, took a dump in from teammate Dominic Kubalik to the head. He's been in concussion protocol ever since. We have seen him on the ice recently, though, so he he could be nearing a return before the end of the season. Uh, But all in all, I mean, that trade was an absolute slam dunk, even if Johnson hasn't been on the ice because the Blackhawks received not only Johnson, but a 2023 second round pick from the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for Brent Seabrook's contract. Brent Seabrook is never going to play another NHL game. The only reason Tampa Bay wanted that because they're in cap hell and they can use some of his long-term injured reserve relief to get them a little, give them some more options financially, right? So we gave up nothing to get Tyler Johnson in a second round pick. I mean, Tyler Johnson could never play another game as a Chicago Blackhawk, and this would still be an absolute slam dunk. One of Stan Bowman's better moves, honestly. I mean, to get basically a free second round pick, especially considering where we're heading now, it's an absolute A+. plus. You absolutely had to do it. Brent Seabrook's contract meant nothing to us, especially now heading in a rebuild where we're not going to be in a financial crunch. Um, and also, he was never going to play another game. So even though it's been such a tough year for Johnson, and I'm really intrigued to see what they're going to do with him moving forward because he's still got two more years on his current deal. And he's someone who's also kind of a tweener right now. Do the Blackhawks really want to keep him on for the next couple of years when they're not going to be all that good? I'm going to guess not. So I think they're probably going to be trying to move Tyler Johnson, if I would have to imagine, in the offseason. But even though it's been an injury-plagued year for him, the Blackhawks got a free second-round pick out of this. So all in all, it's an absolute win for the Blackhawks. Uh, And another trade that um, simply had to be done. I mean, it absolutely made too much sense. I know Johnson's deal isn't great, uh, but to get a second round pick, that's a big asset in return. The Blackhawks surely need more and more of those going forward. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Monday, March 28th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you all for tuning into the show and be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks right now. Go check it out on YouTube and subscribe. Go check it out on your favorite podcast app and follow, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day.
and after the show, be sure to go and check out Lockdown Fantasy Hockey as hosts Steele Roden and Flip Livingstone are going to help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Fantasy Hockey right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show or to the Blackhawks, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, go Hawks. Let's go and pick up a win while I'm in attendance at UC over the Sabres. And thanks again for listening to another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.